Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. I'm Kim Selby, the San Francisco editor of the Three Tomatoes newsletter. Now, as we enter our sixth or seventh month, or is it seventh year of the strangeness of what has become our norm in 2020, I think you're really going to enjoy my enlightening guest today. And hopefully he'll be able to bring us some suggestions about how to deal with the feelings, emotions, etc., that are coming up for us and so much more because Blake D. Bauer is known internationally for his book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. Oh my gosh, I love that title because who wants to suffer? Blake has a resume which is several pages long, but I'll briefly uh, give you a background on uh, what he what he does and what he, his education, he has a formal education that includes traditional Chinese medicine, five element Chinese medicine, nutritional medicine, herbal healing, psychology, past life, re- life regression therapy, hypnosis, lots of other alternative medicine, as well as traditional education. And he teaches various forms of mindfulness, meditation, Qigong, and Tao Yin, Oh my gosh, he's, he's got so many things going on and he's helped you know thousands and thousands of people and helped them understand that they are not born to suffer as are all of us not born to suffer. Is that right? Welcome, Blake. Thank you, Kim. Yes, absolutely. We, you know, although suffering is a part of being human, we create and allow far more than is necessary. And so from my own uh, mistakes and you know hard lessons. I try to share what I've learned to help people stop hurting themselves and stop letting themselves get hurt, so that we can limit the excess suffering you know during our lifetime. And when you talk about suffering, you're talking about physical and emotional. Is this correct? Absolutely, and psychological. So you know, psychological torment and confusion, emotional you know, pain and and suffering, and then physical pain and illness as well. So what prompted you to write this book? Well, that is a very loaded question. (laughs) Well, you know, just tell us a little bit about how you got into the exploration of self-empowerment, self-improvement, self-love, because I know that's the big message that I took away from the book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, you caught me off at any time, but I'm going to give you the most <laughs> succinct version as, that I can. But so I grew up in a family with a lot of suffering, like a lot, like a lot of us do. And I had a lot of drug addiction in my family. Um, parents uh, who, you know, abused drugs, uh, uncles and aunts who abused drugs. I lost an aunt to a drug overdose. 
I even later, just uh, seven years ago, lost my own brother to a heroin overdose, and he struggled with heroin addiction for 20 years. And so, you know, I didn't realize it, but I had a lot of psychological and emotional pain from my upbringing. And like all of us, I just did my best to survive, you know, in my family and then socially, you know, with my friends and at school, et cetera. And then when I was a teenager, I got heavily into drugs and alcohol and started abusing all kinds of substances very extremely. Uh, then progressed to selling these substances to support my habit and to survive, you know, socially. And by the time I was 18 years old, I had been arrested a number of times for drug possession. I also played American football in high school and was a good athlete and was captain of the varsity football team with two of my best friends. And we all had interest and offers to play in college or university. Um, I got an extremely bad DUI during the summer going into senior year. And my coach didn't find out until halfway through my senior season. And when he did find out, he kicked me off the team immediately. I lost any interest that I had to play in college. And that was the beginning of my death of self. I sabotaged everything that I cared about, everything that I loved, everything that I found refuge in from my family and from the world. And that was really my identity at the time. That was my ego and who I believed I was. And within a very short period of time, I destroyed it all. And so I was left uh, completely lost, completely confused. I had no idea who I was anymore. And then at the age of 18, you know, there's this building pressure of what am I going to do with my life? Do I go to work? You know, how do I make a living? Do I study? What do I study? You know, is money the secret to happiness and success? And so I was at the age of 18, waking up completely tortured by my thoughts and emotions to the point of paralysis, whereas a lot of my peers seemed to be okay and just kind of going with the flow. I had already burnt the candle at every end, broken all the rules, you know, really never paid attention to authority and then learned my my lessons the hard way. And so by that time, I was ready to figure things out, but I was struggling. I was, became suicidally depressed for a long period of time. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to ask for help. I never had those types of role models or support. Um, and then as a man- Can I yeah. ask a question? Were you yeah. still living at home at this time? It started while I was living at home. Yeah. And were you still using when this, when you got the DUI and when you, you know, you're a senior in high school, did you graduate from high school? I did graduate from high school. And were you yeah. still using drugs and still in the addiction process or you stopped cold turkey? I, I wouldn't say cold turkey, but it was over, it was definitely over that last kind of six months of my senior year. I did, that was like a, it was a slow, but relatively quick cold turkey. I never went into AA. I just between what I had done to myself, I shamed myself in the entire community. You know, I was like, you know, on the cover of the sports section all the time. And, Ooh. you know, and then all of a sudden I'm in, uh, you know, the, my, I'm in the police blotter and all the families are talking, you know, and, and you, you look back and you think, oh, you know, he was young. It's not a big deal. But at that point, that was my everything. And at home, I didn't know how to open up. So I couldn't really ask my parents for help. And, um, I didn't realize I had shut a lot, uh, you know, locked a lot away emotionally from not having my biological father in my life. And these were things I just wasn't aware of. And so um, 
I had a big ego and I had a lot of pride. And so I just thought I had to suffer through this and figure it out myself. And I did eventually, but it was a very, you know, tough, dark road. And so at 18, to the, the, to, again, to keep this a bridge, at 18, I was waking up then every day asking myself two questions. You know, how do I free myself from this suffering? Because I felt intuitively that life wasn't meant to be so painful. I wasn't meant to be suffering so much psychologically and emotionally. And then what's the purpose of my life? Because moving forward, I didn't know how to make a decision without any clarity inside of myself. And I didn't have any, but yet I'm supposed to figure out what to do with my life. So I also suffered very deeply from not having a sense of purpose and, and having no clarity around the purpose of life and the purpose of my life. So I basically moved forward from 18, just trying to answer those two questions. How do I heal myself? Which is what's the keys to health and happiness and what's the purpose of my life? And that journey led me to five different universities, as you described in the opening. Um, I had the honor of meeting and studying different kinds of spiritual masters and practices like meditation and yoga. And then to make money, I worked in alternative medicine at far, you know, uh, pharmacies that sold supplements, integrated medicine pharmacies. I worked for a Chinese medical doctor and ran his practice for many years. And so I was like a sick animal in need of healing. And I was not, I, I went from, you know, always having a girlfriend to not being interested in women to always partying and being that guy, you know, my mother would always say, you know, you're not missing anything. You know, I always had a fear of missing out. I didn't care about socializing anymore. I completely isolated myself from family, from friends, from my peers, because I was just, in this dark place and confused and all I wanted to do was feel good and feel clear. And so, uh, and I read hundreds, probably thousands of books on, you know, all the self-help books and on God and nutrition and quantum physics and just trying to understand, you know, the human experience from all the different perspectives because you get such conflicting messages and information. Everybody says they have the answer and everybody thinks they're right. The scientists, the biologists, the Taoists, the Buddhists, you know, the, everybody's got the answer, but it's coming from a different viewpoint. So I didn't know, I didn't have the answer, but I was thankfully open to, to analyzing everybody's perspective and then, you know, um, you know, deciding what rang true for me, both logic, logically and instinctually. And so, yeah, so that, that led, me, led me to some insights where I began to see how disease and depression develop in the body as a result of us never learning how to love ourselves as children. And then I realized that I had been looking for love my whole life and learning how to love myself and that all my suffering came from me never learning how to love myself mentally, emotionally, and physically and in my relationships. And then I looked around me and I, I felt like everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's chasing love in the form of approval, acceptance, security, uh, connection. And everybody's either learning how to love themselves or still stuck in this state of hurting themselves and betraying themselves, trying to please everybody all the time. And they're getting sick and they're miserable and they're not happy at home and they're not happy at work. And I was kind of overwhelmed by this clarity, what I felt was clarity. And I thought, I got to tell. I was 24 years old. I was you know, young and naive. And I just literally thought, how can I tell as many people as possible and the next thought was, you have to write a book. And so that began a journey of 
being rejected by over a hundred agents and publishers because everybody looked at me and said, who is this young guy? There's no way he knows anything of value and, and he's a nobody. Um, so lo the long story short, I self-published. The book became a number one bestseller as a self-published book. Then I sold it to a publisher in London. Now it's an international bestseller and has been translated into 10 languages. And I've been able to now help over 100,000 people in the last, say, 15 years. So. And, and it is a very, very good book. I have um, read it and I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, the way you have structured the book, actually, as well as the words within it. And first of all, I just have to say congratulations on being able to pull that that strength, that inner strength, because so many at 18 would have committed suicide, would have given up, or would have struggled yeah. for years with addiction. And you know, you've studied all of these different kinds of uh, religions and science, and so many people would say you were divinely guided. You know that you know you had otherworldly assistance coming, saying, "This is your purpose now." Did you ever feel that? Did you kind of? Yours seemed very gradual. You didn't just wake up and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, write a book and do this. Or did it more, did it come instinctively? You know, I mean, was it, you know, I've talked to people who say it was a voice. I don't know where it came from, but it was a voice that said, you must do this. This is your path. It seems like it took a little bit of time and a lot of study for you to get there. Yeah. Well, the, the book was, the book was a hundred percent clear insight. Like I just knew and it did feel like the voice of the universe or the voice yeah. of God, depending on your belief system. But the reason I knew what it was and I knew how important it was, was because literally from 18 to 24, so that's six years, every day, all day, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating, every day, all day, I was looking for my keys. I had lost my keys and I was looking for my keys. So when I found my keys, I knew I'd found my keys because I had been looking for this feeling and this clarity every single day, all day, from the moment I went to bed, literally, from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, literally. And so, but, but the whole journey has been gradual because, you know, at first, you know, I, I had these ideas and I knew they were, they were valuable and I knew that they would help people. But I think part of uh, maturation, right, and, and earning your place in the world is the timing of things. And I think that's how life kind of tests us because at 24, I thought I was ready to share this with a lot of people, but there was things I had to go through in my own personal evolution to really be ready to help as many people as I could. And, and so it's been a gradual process of, I think, learning, you know, that life and the universe and God really gives you what you're ready for and what you can handle. And so I still had things to learn and things to integrate, to, to be ready to help you know, now I'm in this place where I'm reaching, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of yeah. people. And it takes a lot, you know, to do that with integrity and not burn out and to keep it real, you know, your nervous system has to be ready. Your lifestyle habits have to be in place. Right. You have to have a certain sense of stability and security on every level of your being to, to be able to manage that because it's a lot. And um, absolutely there's a I, huge I, need. Yes, so. there is a huge need. And I, I do want to get into the, the meat of the book, or at least talk a little bit about some of the important lessons that you give us. And my takeaway from the book is that we are all craving love. And, is, and so many 
things I've read, I read a lot of self-help, you know, transformation books, nonfiction in that regards, say that uh, love is what we are here for. Love is what we are here on the planet for. And through your book, my understanding is, and I know this just from growing up this way, you have to love yourself first. And you give some really great, uh, just to let everybody know, every chapter begins, and I love this, with a mini meditation. I mean, you're not speaking it, but you tell us to take a deep breath. You tell us to go within. And I think that is such a great reminder. I'm just telling people that because I love the way the book is structured. And then Do at the you, end of each um, chapter, I really appreciate in this time the in which we find ourselves where anxiety so is a, running high. It's a notebook. Uh, emotions it are it's going learning. off the charts. It's, it's Some days we feel book, great. Some days we're uh, freaked out and really paranoid go deeper about the world. Explore Do you have any ourselves? suggestions? I mean, is it what Do you actually counsel what people one on has one? transpired in our life or how Not we are so much feeling anymore. today? I used to full time giving our power away to as it were. My, my lifestyle kind of changed into teaching groups. So I started to teach a lot of retreats that we are and seminars and less one-on-one -on -one so work. Are feeling um, I also went through a period where anxious. I lost my brother, as I mentioned, to heroin. You know, and then my mother got really sick for us to after love that from so that losing her first others. son. And then my stepfather, who raised me, got sick and ended up passing away. So I had a lot of personal uh, responsibilities with my family. So I started to do less of the one-on-one -on -one work and then just would go and do these group events every couple months. Um, yeah, so not so much personally, but I do have, I do, um, I did recently do a retreat and I've been a lot of interviews and I do think that there are some things to keep in mind that can really help us during this time. Can you share some of those? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I didn't know if you wanted me to go into that. I think um, one thing that's really important for people who are listening, which I'm sure that they've re realized now by this point, is that have, not having your usual outlets that bring you joy or, you know, that might have been distractions for you and being stuck at home with maybe family or a partner and, you know, which brings its own set of issues. It's really important to have time for yourself every day. So I think just getting out of the house, going for a walk. Um, going for a drive with, you know, listening to music, listening to a podcast you like. I think we all, for our sanity, need a little bit of time and space for ourselves every day in general, but particularly with everything that's going on. You know, a lot, like I said, a lot of people are at home with, you know, their partner or spouse, and then you've got the children at home. A lot of people, you know, their kids are not in school. So there's just, there's a, there's a lot of factors that limit our ability to just think for ourselves and be with our feelings and listen to our inner world. And, and so everybody needs some time on their own, in their own energy, to hear their own thoughts, to hear their own inner prompts, and then also to self-care, you know, to go for a walk or have a cup of coffee with a friend or listen to a podcast, something that fills you up, that nourishes your soul, gets you out of the house a little bit. Um, is, is critical. And then the other thing that comes to mind immediately is the topic of kindness. I think um, a lot of people are really suffering right now because they don't have the tools to, to work with their thoughts and emotions. And I have a, a friend who I went to high school with who committed suicide a couple weeks ago. Mm. And I know the suicide rates are very high. 
Domestic violence is very high. People are drinking more alcohol and smoking more pot at home because they're bored and they can't go out. So um, I would say, please not only be kind to yourself, which we can talk more about practically how to do that, but, but keep in mind that when you're walking down the street, you're in the grocery store, you're getting on an airplane, that everybody's really challenged inside right now. And there's a lot of instability psychologically and emotionally. And so it's, it's very easy to say or do something that puts someone over their edge right now. And, uh, you know, the media doesn't help. And then we've got this election coming up and it looks like the second wave is coming now. So we really got to be gentle with each other and, because we're all having a, we're all being tested right now. So I think that that's really important to just keep in mind. Yeah, I think those are really valid and uh, worthwhile suggestions to take to heart, especially being kind to yourself and to others because you don't know what they're going through, right? Absolutely, yes. So what I th a couple of points from your book that I thought were really interesting and will be valuable to everybody. Well, the first one, of course, is we need to love ourselves truly. And I know you give tips and uh, there's a lot of life lessons and lessons that we can learn in this book uh, to delve deeper. As I said, it's like a workbook. And you said we never learned how to break through our fears of losing love and security to be true to who we are. And we need to heal ourselves to be happy and well. So basically the premise of your book is taking care of ourselves first. Is that correct? And you, you also say that, um, I'm, I'm curious, does everyone have self-destructive habits? Do we all have self-destructive habits? And are they all from our, well, I guess our uh, parents of origin, you know, from our, you know, from our, the way we were brought up or is it in our DNA? Because I have questions about that because I was adopted and I found out I was adopted as an adult. But I'm always curious when I hear you know, it's a life situation that made you who you are today. You know, does it go back as far as in the womb? You know, could I have feelings of abandonment from that? You know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Absolutely. Um, again, we just, we just cut out okay. for, for, I know we can come back. And so um, was the question about our limitations from family of origin and those, yeah, where I just, those habits I'm, come from? Well, I'm curious about how, um, if everybody has self-destructive habits, where did they start? Why don't you Absolutely. tell us that? Absolutely. Well, so I think the answer is yes. They, they do start in our childhood and they do begin genetically at conception with mom and dad's um, uh, you know, habits of thought and uh, behavior and beliefs that are really baked into our DNA when we're first conceived. And I think that these, these self-destructive habits are, have been passed down for generation to generation because they're very much tied up with human survival, right? We all know that we often live in fear and survival mode just to get through the world, to, to get through the day, to pay the bills, to put food on the table, to keep a, a roof over our head. And then once you have those basic needs met is when these higher order needs or these deeper needs start to open up, like the need for love, the need for fulfillment, the, the need for meaning in your life, the, the need to feel like your life has purpose. And 
often when you're so worried about your survival needs, those things you know, take a back seat because the primary thing is I just need to survive. I need to survive my family. I need to survive the world. I need to put food on the table for my family. I need to protect my family. And those are very real. They're very valid. Uh, and there's nothing really wrong with them. But we have this over energy on getting stuck in fear and limitation, even when all your basic needs are met. So what happens is your nervous system, your brain and your lifestyle are all conditioned to stay in that fear, that fight or flight survival mode. So even after you have a roof over your head, you have a stable source of income, you have food on the table, you're taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your family, you're still stuck responding to life from that fear-based place because you haven't learned better and this has become all you know and for a lot of us it works even if it doesn't get us everything we want it's it has it has led to security of some sort it has led to surviving the world it has led to creating some sense of security for a family so i think everybody does to some degree have these self-destructive habits baked into their dna into their nervous system which uh, are learned very early on from family and then society and then are perpetuated by both family and society because typically everybody's kind of doing the same thing. And so we call that normal. So when someone becomes divergent and says, you know, I want to take care of myself better and it's not always about, you know, being a martyr and putting everybody else's needs first, that then, then those people are faced with, you know, am I selfish? I feel guilty that I want something for myself. Uh, am I a bad mother? Am I a bad father? Am I a bad daughter? Am I a bad friend? Because I want to say no, you know, or I need something for myself. And the answer is no, you're not a bad person and not it's unhealthy. It's just this self-destructive framework has been passed down from generation to generation. And I believe that the conversation at the heart of the evolution of humanity. And so when I say that, I mean the evolution of human consciousness and awareness, as well as the evolution of our biology and our genes comes down to transforming this self-destructive relationship that we have with ourselves in our thinking, with our emotions and our lifestyle habits, and turning it, that into a very healthy inner relationship where we know how to love, value, care for our thoughts, love, value, care for our heart and express ourselves in healthy ways, love, value, and care for our body in healthy ways, and thus meet every relationship and every situation from a place of self-worth and healthy self-esteem and valuing ourselves instead of getting afraid, shutting down, going into survival mode, just trying to please or survive the situation. And so I believe that is the evolution of humanity. And uh, talking about that concept, I think everything in the world and in our relationships is a mirror of our relationship to ourselves. So my, my view is that the reason why we are destroying the planet is because we are so self-destructive. We're so disconnected from ourselves and thus self-destructive that we, we say things we don't mean, we mistreat people, we throw things out the window, you know, we litter and garbage. And, you know, I always think when I see someone smoking a cigarette and they throw the cigarette butt on the ground, I think who the hell is going to pick that up? 
Exactly. But the re we're so disconnected from ourselves that we're not even aware of that narrative. We're not even aware of that dynamic. But that's because we're just so trapped in our own little small world, disconnected from who we really are. Um, and then we have all these habits to numb out, like smoking too much, drinking too much, eating too much, working too much, shopping too much, excess. Uh, because we're numbing out to all these deeper feelings and deeper needs and, and deeper desires. And so, you know, the, the most important question is, you know, how do I love and value and honor myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically every day so that I can be the most loving, kind person possible which then makes me of benefit to the people around me instead of being resentful, angry, bitter, manipulative, which are all symptoms of not knowing how to love, honor, and value yourself. Mm, I love the way you said that. That's so, so important for us. And I, I know that so many of us are people pleasers. Well, I mean, obviously not everyone in the world, but I happen to be one of those. And I know a lot of people who are. And for my whole life, I, I said yes more than I probably needed to. Now, I'm a big proponent of the uh, art of improv where we say yes and, but it, that's a different, <laughs> it's a different story. I, I, I wanted to please people. So I would volunteer for this and I would volunteer for that. And I guess it's something that we all have to um, realize that we're not being selfish when we take time for ourselves. And I believe, as I'm sure you do, that this time what we're experiencing is uh, a wake-up call, shaking us, saying, okay, look at what's going on in the world. Instead of being a fear-based society, we need to take care of ourselves and take care of the planet. If I see one more mask on the ground, you know, I, I mean, no one's going to pick up a mask, right? I, I agree. Exactly. That was really interesting, um, what you said about that. But I think that taking care of ourselves is something we neglect to do. And, yes. and so what would be uh, like three easy things that we could do to honor ourselves, to nurture ourselves with, I guess we need to give ourselves permission to know that we're not being selfish, right? I mean, would that be yeah. something? Well, I think it's actually shifting the view because what if I told you, Kim, that I think everybody is selfish mm -hmm. and that it's actually human nature and that there's nothing wrong with it. Because if you look at an apple tree, for example, the apple tree needs to be selfish. It needs to take up nutrients and water from the ground. It needs to take up sunlight. It needs the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to do what? To become of benefit to the environment around it. So a tree, a beautiful apple tree cannot grow into this source of shade and oxygen and then apples and, and firewood you know, all these wonderful things, if it doesn't selfishly get what it, it needs. And I know you and your listeners, by this point in our life experience, we know that if we don't fill our cup up, we are going to be resentful. We are going to be bitter. We're not going to want to give. If we're, and especially if we're not appreciated, it's only going to be worse. And so the theme, a theme that's really been on my mind and the theme that popped into my head as you were just talking is that, Kim, we have to be the ones that say it matters. And it always comes back to that. And, and that's part of the reason why we, we would go and volunteer, like you said, and you know, say yes and please, is because deep down, we, we wanna be appreciated for who we are and what we do. 
and we want to feel that we matter. And so often to our detriment, we seek to feel that we matter to other people by doing for them, by pleasing them, by being of service. But, but, but the shadow of that is it's a lot of times it's coming from we never learned just to say I matter. I have value in and of myself because I exist and I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of health and happiness just because I exist. And that goes back to just not knowing how to say my feelings matter, my needs matter, and my desires matter. And so if you think about it in any moment, in any day, in any situation, you are feeling something and what you feel is connected to what you need and what you want. And you're either honoring that or you're not. And so the most important and the simplest thing to start doing is to know that you're the, if you, want, you, if you want to feel like you matter to the people around you and not keep burning out and ending up heartbroken, you need to say, my feelings matter, my needs matter, my desires matter. And what I give in this situation at work, at home, this friendship, this relationship, it matters and it needs to be appreciated or else I don't want to give it anymore. And so the next part is communicating that effectively. So we need to start to use the, these specific phrases. So for the listeners, you need to take note of these specific phrases, which is I feel, I need, and I want. Because Kim, if you and I were in a relationship and before we learn these tools, if you said something to me that triggered me and I felt hurt and angry, I would likely say to you, you know, F you, you're such a, you know, go F off. You know, we would, I would swear, I would, you know, point my finger at you. I would probably be abusive if I was hurt and angry because I never learned how to express myself in a healthy way. When the truth is, I just feel hurt and angry, but I don't know how to say that. So that's why these two, the, the, those phrases are so powerful because as soon as I can say to, to you, Kim, and especially if you're someone who cares about me, if I can say, I feel so hurt right now by what you just said, if you really care about me, you're going to open and want to understand and fix it as opposed to if I start swearing at you and calling you names, you might care about me, but your ego, your defense mechanisms are going to pop up and then it just becomes an argument or painful, you know, back and forth, which obviously we all know ruins our relationships. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is this, what comes to me is, you know, I wish I'd known these things and these tools and these words to use when I was raising children. I mean, it would be, yes. this would be such a valuable, every parent should have to take this class or colleges should have, should offer courses in, you know, how to deal with yourself, with your, you know, I've always thought that uh, with other people, how to communicate, how to, because you get so much more out of life. And, and I think you're right. I mean, I didn't grow up that way. You know, I think I had a great childhood, but no one ever said those three things to me. And exactly. I, I would, I, we didn't have fighting in my house. So that wasn't the issue, but I can see how important those, I just want to repeat those. I feel I need, and I want, and that's, you're right. I love the fact that you said everybody is selfish and we need to be selfish. And I think we feel that that's being selfish saying those three things sometimes feels like we're being selfish, but I don't think it is at all. And those are great reminders. Yeah, absolutely. And if, and if Kim, if we think through this all the way, Let's say I don't know how to do that. And so instead, I keep all that in. And all I try and do is please you or, um, 
you know, yeah, I try to please you and keep the peace. If you think about it, that's actually selfish too. Because what I'm really doing is I'm giving to try and get something from you. And so when you're living a lie and hiding your feelings, your emotions, and your needs, you're selfishly protecting yourself. So you're still being selfish. That's just unhealthy selfishness, which is self-destructive and leads to illness, addiction, and lots of life problems. Whereas when you're authentic, open, honest, you take accountability for what you feel, that's the healthy form of selfishness which leads to the best outcomes for everybody involved. So we have a very twisted belief system around selfishness and self-love, which needs to be healed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're running out of time, but I could talk to you forever about this because the book is fascinating. We barely scratched the surface of it. And, you know, one of the things we didn't get into, which I would like to is, is dis- I mean, not, we can't right now, but I think is important, especially for a lot of our listeners who are over a certain age, is finding our purpose and passion and that it is never too late to do that. I mean, you were very fortunate yes. to have found yours. But is there anything you would like to um, give us a tidbit or a question to ponder? Or, I mean, you did with those three. I love that. Or something that we can take away to help us um, before we say goodbye, you know, like maybe uh, one of the things that in the end of one of your chapters, that a question that we could ponder that might help 100%. us discover. Well, on the topic that you just mentioned, I think a lot of people don't know what brings them joy. Um, as you were talking about that concept of that inner spark, we don't know what lights us up and turns us on because we've been so busy being a good girl, a good boy, you know, being a good husband, a good wife, a good mother, a a good father, trying to kind of like, you know, tick those boxes in our family and in society, that a lot of us are lost to ourselves. And so what I would do is make a list of all the things that bring you joy and all the things that you're curious about that you never gave yourself permission to explore. For example, when I was 20, and going through this journey, I had one class I wanted to take that I never took, and that was on creative writing. And I never gave myself permission to explore it because I thought it's not practical. It's not going to help me make a living. I'm already on this unconventional path. But now, just a couple years ago, I allowed myself to explore it because I finally reached a place in my life where I thought, you know what, I'm secure enough that I can go explore this part of me, this creativity that I had neglected, and I absolutely love it. And so I've got these really cool big projects on the, on the horizon because of it. And so a lot of us just don't even know what brings us joy because we never gave ourselves permission to explore it or we were at a point in our life where we didn't have access to it. I, you know, maybe we lived somewhere where we didn't have access or we grew up in a time where we didn't have access. So, so my, my advice is go take that class, you know, yeah. uh, Go paint, go write, go to that city you were always just a little curious about. What, even if there's just an inkling, just go try it. And if you don't love it, that's it. At least now you know you turned over the rock. But if you might go take this writing class or this poetry class or this painting class or this, you know, um, or you might want to get a degree or a certificate in something that you never gave yourself permission to because you said, you know what, my kids are more important my husband's more important, my, my providing for my family's more important. So I, that's not really practical. I'd say you will die with a lot less regret 
if you give yourself permission to just go explore these things for the sake of exploring yourself and finding some joy. I love it. Our our purpose is very much tied up with those things. Right. Yeah. I'm a big believer in all of that. And I thank you, Blake, so much for being here today and sharing your information. You're a wealth of wisdom. You have so many things to say. And the book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. I love it because we don't, who wants to suffer, right? I mean, we all want happiness and we all have to learn to love ourselves. And you give some great tips and ways to explore the things we love, or I just really enjoyed reading some of the exercises and I look forward to doing them. So uh, I love one thing you said, and I'll close. We already have everything we need within ourselves to fulfill our life's purpose and realize our greatest potential. And I, I wanna thank you for those words because it's so true, so true, so. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you, Blake, for sharing your time here with us today. And I uh, highly encourage everyone to get this book. I loved it, it was great. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course.